0: I wonder how you would complete a question, a sentence. And be careful how you answer this. You might get in trouble with the person sitting next to you. The longer you're married, the more you blank. So I wonder how you finish that sentence. The longer you're married, the more you dress alike. The longer you're married, the more you argue. The longer you're married, you know, how do you finish that sentence? I was thinking about that for myself and my wife, and, uh, you know, we've affected each other over the last 14 years in some really significant ways. Uh, my wife, the longer she's married to me, the more she watches football. Um, I'm not a fan of the Bengals, but this is a, a nod for a couple guys on the band today who are Bengals fans. Uh, the longer she's married to me, the more she appreciates really good coffee. Uh, but the longer I'm married to her, the more I appreciate really good wings. She's from Buffalo, and I will tell you, they really do make better buffalo wings in Buffalo. Um, and then the longer I'm married to her, the more I appreciate and watch musicals. I didn't grow up watching musicals. My mom would watch that four-hour monstrosity known as The Sound of Music, and I'd be like, peace out. Um, get me out of here. Um, I come back in. It's still going. Yeah, we're on the second VHS now. And so, so I didn't grow up with musicals, but my wife is obsessed, and so I now have those lines running through my head. And so today, as I was thinking, or this week, as I was thinking about how do you summarize a year, like what we've lived through? How do you tell a year in a moment? Because of my wife, something came to mind. Now, I've been told, even recently, that if I want our church to grow, I should not sing in my sermons anymore. So I'm not going to sing for you, but I am going to display the lyric. There's a lyric that says, 525,600 minutes, how do you measure a year? It's a line from the musical rent i think the song is called seasons of love if my memory serves me well and and that's the song that i've been singing all week long how do you measure a year how do you summarize a year how do you bring together all the things that happened in whether it's 525600 minutes or 86000 hours and change how do you summarize all that because you can talk about the feelings that you had during that year and some years more than others bring out certain feelings Certain experiences, and we recounted some experiences there on the screen for you. You could share and exchange memories, good ones and bad ones, but eventually, what happens at the end of a year is a year becomes a story. And when we talk about certain years in the past, whether it's 2021 or 2007 or 1994 or 1983 or 1962, however far back we want to go, eventually a year becomes a story. And I raised a question at the end of last year, which was what kind of story will this year be when you tell it? Because we're all storytellers. Whether you think of yourself as a good storyteller or not, you are a storyteller because you've taken the experiences you've been through, the things that God has brought you through, and you've composed a story of that, and you tell that to yourself first and foremost, but often you tell it to others. And the longer and longer you go and the further and further you get from a year, sometimes you have a greater understanding of it. Soren Kierkegaard famously said that life can only be understood backwards but it must be lived forwards. And so often we don't realize what's going on around us until we get some distance from it. And once we get some distance from it, we can see it differently. So I want to spend a little bit of time at the beginning of this message talking to you about the year that was 2021. And if I could summarize that year, which is hard, I summarize at least for Cornerstone in this way. There were challenges and God was faithful. That's how I would summarize the past year for our church. Now, I gotta be honest with you, my temptation is just to focus on this part, to just talk to you about the ways that we saw God was faithful, to just tell you all the good numbers and the great stories, to show you the places where things were up and to the right. And, and that's a little bit of the temptation, I feel, even as a leader at times, always bring good news, always tell good stories. But you guys are two things, One, you're smarter than that. And two, we've been friends longer than that. And you know that I tend to keep it real. So there were some challenges last year. This room was more full when we left it in 2020 than it was when we came back in 2021. There were some challenges that we went through in terms of how we did church together, sometimes relationships we had with one another. There were some real challenges. And so I don't want to make this a downer of a message either. I want you to see how God was faithful. So let's hit on a few things. Last year, we were one church in at least two places. We began the year meeting at Mile High Middle School And we were broadcasting services from here. We were actually recording them in advance. And so it was a crazy season. I would like preach a sermon on a Tuesday and record it and then start working on my sermon for the following week and then give another sermon on Sunday that was the old sermon and then Tuesday preach the new sermon. And luckily I got them straight most of the time, but it was a little bit chaotic. And some of you were watching online. Some of you were watching in person. Here's how we started the year. When we started last year, 77% of our church attended online, and only 23% attended in person. So the vast majority of our church was online. By the end of the year, though, things had begun to shift, and 57% of our church was gathering in person, and 43% is online. And we're in roughly the same spot. We still have, most Sundays, over 200 people who are watching online. So it's still a huge number. And some of that's because we were online for longer than any other church of of, a size in this community. So people who were looking for online church, they found us early and many of them stayed with us. Easter Sunday of last year was the first time in 13 months that we saw those numbers begin to flip and more people came in person than came online. But still today, I have people who I'll see and they're like, Hey, I'll see you Sunday. And I'm like, Yes, you will. And I won't see you. Because they're going to see me watching online and I'm not going to see them. And so if that's you, hey, good morning. How's it going? We were really excited, though, about the possibility to all come together. And so last summer, we gathered out at Prescott Pines Camp for an all-church celebration. And God gave us perfect weather, which is often rare in monsoon season. But it was a great day. And uh, we did some baptisms that day. And I want to share with you one of the stories from that day. This is Michael's story. Michael says, earlier this year, I ended up in jail for 100 days. There, I started reading the Bible when COVID became a pandemic, and when I got out, I started looking for a church to go to, and I wanted to be baptized. I was asking the Lord for a sign. I was walking along the Granite Creek Trail when I saw the Cornerstone Church at the middle school about three months ago. My spouse and I went in for the sermon. When I heard the pastor talk about baptizing, I took this as the sign I was looking for. I want to be baptized as a testimony of my faith. And this is Michael. We baptized him last August. And I don't know if we would have connected with Michael because Michael wouldn't have found us walking along the, you know, Granite Creek Trail if we were still meeting here in this place. And so we're grateful for how God used us in his life. Well, we came back to this place in October of 2021. And then we celebrated Christmas in a fun way with At The Movies. I put on tights. Um, First year, I'd done that with you guys. And so that was a lot of fun. And we saw people make professions of faith, recommit their lives to Christ. It was amazing. Last year, you guys gave incredibly generously, and you gave almost $1.2 million to our general fund which is incredible. That was more than you gave in 2020. It's a little bit less than we gave in 2019, but we saw some really significant recovery. And what that meant is that we were able to spend over $169,000 on missions last year, which is just amazing. Yeah, you can, you can clap for that. We've put together a list of a bunch of stories and stats that we think will encourage you and inspire you. We call it our annual report. I've to grab one before I came up here, but you'll be able to take one per family as you leave. If you're watching online, you can head to prescottcornerstone.com report today or any day in the future and see a digital version of that. And we'll be talking more about some of those stats and those stories at our annual meeting later today, as Josh mentioned, at 1030 in the community room. That will not be streamed. and So if you want to be there, you got to be there. But I don't want to spend all of our time today looking back. I want to spend some time also looking at God's word. So if you have your Bible, would you open up this morning to Matthew chapter 7? Now, if you've spent time around the Bible, you know that Matthew 5, 6, and 7 is Jesus's longest sermon. It's not that long. I'm going to preach longer today than Jesus did when he delivered this one. But this is Jesus's longest sermon in one sitting. Uh, If you're new to the Bible, Matthew is right at the beginning of a section called the New Testament, and it's an account of the life and teaching of Jesus. And he ends this this passage, this sermon, with a, a summary or a challenge that I think speaks to where we are today, to who we are as a church, and to what we've gone through in the last year. So because it's God's Word, I want to invite you to stand with me. You can follow along on the screen if you don't have a Bible. Kelly, if you can just click through these next couple. Beginning in verse 24, here's what Jesus says. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain fell, the rivers rose, the winds blew and pounded that house. Yet it didn't collapse because its foundation was on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and doesn't act on them What would be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell, the rivers rose, the winds blew and pounded that house and it collapsed. It collapsed with a great crash. Jesus, we pray that you'd speak to us. We thank you for your faithfulness to us and we pray that we would continue to follow you with boldness and courage. In your name we pray, amen. Now, as I looked at Matthew chapter seven this week, I saw some similarities between Matthew chapter seven and at least the 2021 from where I sit. And so these are simple, but I think these are significant. And here's the first thing I think we learned from Matthew seven and from 2021, that storms and challenges are inevitable. So it doesn't matter what year we're talking about. Either in the past or in the future, there are going to be storms. There are going to be challenges, and and that's the one thing that I would say is inevitable you know, about this, this year. There's going to be challenges. That's just the nature of life in a world that is continually marked by sin, filled with eight billion sinful, broken people. There's going to be challenges. And so when Jesus is here and he's saying, therefore, there's this man who builds his house on a rock and the rains fell and the rivers rose and the wind blew, this is not just like, oh my goodness, there's rain and rivers and winds. It's just, there's rain, there's rivers, there's winds. That's just life. And so I would encourage you that if if you get surprised when bad and hard things happen, you need to reassess the lens that you're looking at life through, that there's going to be storms, there's going to be challenges. And I hope that some of the things that were part of 2021 are not part of 2022. Amen. I hope there's some things that are part of the last couple of years that don't endure into future years. But the general dynamic of challenge and difficulty, I think, is just part of the equation. That's the first one. But number two, what you do and where you build in the midst of that reality, is completely optional. So we don't have the choice whether we can prevent challenges. If you're trying to create a life for you and your family and your kids that is devoid of adversity, you're going to fail and you're going to be frustrated. You don't have that choice, but you do have a choice with what you do in response to that and with where you build And what Jesus says in Matthew 7 is you can either build in a way that sets you up to endure and persevere in storms and challenges, or you can build in a way where you'll be overwhelmed. And where you build is determined by what you do with the words of Jesus, whether you put them into practice or whether you don't. And then finally, number three, God is powerfully at work, even in, quote, the worst of times. Charles Dickens began that book, Great Expectations, with the phrase, it's the best of times, it was the worst of times. And we often think the best of times is where God does his work, and the worst of times is where God is absent. But if you spend time in this book, and you spend time with people who are building their life upon the truth of this book, what you will see is God is powerfully at work. Sometimes in his greatest ways, in the midst of the worst of times. And I want to give you some examples, and these stories are also found in our annual report from people who are part of the Cornerstone family. Here's Sarah's story. She says, we moved here in 2018, and we left a church family of 10 years. Many of you, a few weeks ago, raised your hand that you've moved here in the last seven years, and you've started over. That's Sarah's story. Yeah, You can raise your hand now. Have you moved here in the last seven years? Raise your hand. Hold it up. Okay? Say about half of you. Okay, that's Sarah's story. We left the church of 10 years, and I was isolated and alone. I requested prayer our first Sunday here, and before I knew it, I had a phone call from Jen Myers, who's our children's director, and I was in a small group. I felt so welcomed and so seen, they have become a second family. When 2021 came and the worst year of my life happened, that's the storm, I never once felt alone. I really don't know what we would have done without our group. It's an honor and blessing to be able to do life together and to be there for each other. So what Sarah did is in 2018 and 2019 and 2020, she built her house on a strong foundation. That when the storm came, it didn't blow her over because of the people that she was around. And we have Penny's story. God works in such awesome ways. A co-worker introduced me to Cornerstone during my hardest times recovering from some major surgeries. I would listen to Pastor Scott's sermons at night. I'm glad that she says it would give her such comfort. To me, it would give me insomnia. But on Sunday mornings, though, my husband got interested, and now he's always excited to listen as well. He's reminding me of when church starts, we're early risers, and we get everything ready to go for us to appear virtually. I will forever be grateful. So, again, Penny was going through a hard time. She ran into a coworker who introduced her to Cornerstone, and God began to work. And then finally, there's Joshua's story. I lost my job a couple months ago. Hard time. On a particularly difficult day during that season, I came to the church office for prayer. I met with one of the pastors. During that conversation, the topic of baptism came up, and I had never been baptized as an adult, but I always thought about it. I was kind of scared of getting up in front of everyone, common fear with baptism, and making that public proclamation. Through conversations with a couple of the pastors and the sermons leading up to the day of my baptism, things solidified in my mind, and it became clear this was my next step. I have put my faith in Jesus Christ as my Savior, and God has provided me with a new job that is meeting my financial needs. I pray that my life continues to honor him. See, in each of these stories from our midst with people who you sit with every Sunday or who are also watching with you, they made a choice in the midst of the storm to put the words of Jesus into practice and that storm did not overwhelm them. God used the circumstances of that storm to transform them. There were challenges in their life, and God was faithful. And so the question that raises for the rest of us is what will we do with the words of Jesus? What will we do with the words Jesus has spoken to us? Like Jesus says at the end of Matthew 7 24, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them, will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. So I just want to say to you, I don't know what the rest of this year holds. My name is Scott. It's not Nostradamus. But I will tell you that there are storms and challenges ahead. If we were sailing, we would be heading for choppy water. So what are you going to do with the words of Jesus? And are you going to build your life on the rock? I want to show you where Cornerstone's name comes from. It's in First Peter 2. If you've got a Bible, you can turn there. i also have it on the screen. If you don't know why our name is Cornerstone, I'm going to show you. We renamed our church about 20 years ago. We were started as the first evangelical free church of Prescott, which is quite long. Um, it's hard to have an, a URL that long when you're online. And so it was shortened over time to Cornerstone Church, and it's because of this passage. In First Peter 2, Peter says... As you come to him, a living stone, rejected by people, but chosen and honored by God, you yourselves as living stones, a spiritual house, are being built to be a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in scripture, see, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and honored cornerstone. And the one who believes in him will never be put to shame. That's the promise we have in Jesus Christ, and that's why our name is cornerstone. Scripture does not promise us that the one who believes in him will never endure hard years, Scripture doesn't promise us that the one who believes in him will never go through storms or challenges. It doesn't say the ones who believe in him will never have to meet online and not meet where they used to meet. It doesn't say any of that. What it says is that when we put our hope in Jesus as our cornerstone, we will never be put to shame for having put our trust in him. And I want to remind you what a cornerstone is. Roger Raymer says, a cornerstone is the visible support on which the rest of the building relies for strength and stability. And part of what happened for so many of us over the last couple years is that we discovered the things we were relying on for strength and stability. And they weren't Jesus. He said, man, Scott, the last couple of years, I've just felt shaken. That may be because you discovered there were areas in your life that you were leaning on visible supports for strength and stability that were not the cornerstone that is Jesus. And you got shook by the circumstances of life. And you have an opportunity right now in some ways, maybe after one storm and before another one, to reassess where are you building your life. And what Jesus says is you don't build your life on him as the cornerstone merely by hearing him. In Matthew 7, he says, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise man who built his house on the road. It's not enough to know God's word. It's not enough to hear God's word. It's not enough to listen to me for 35 minutes every Sunday morning. You have to actually act on God's word to build your life on the cornerstone that is Jesus. And even then, it does not mean that you'll be immune. I'll be honest. I've been honest before. 2021 for me was harder than 2020. 2021 was a year I struggled even more than 2020. I think in some ways it's because I came in with less reserves. I had more more boost coming from 19 into 20 than I did from 20 to 21. But my friends, man, they spent a lot of time on the phone with me. If you see my therapist around town, just look for the red Porsche he's driving from just just kidding he drives a he drives a great pickup but i was one of the 38% of american pastors in 2021 who gave thoughts to quitting cuz this has never been an easy gig but when you add a pandemic racial unrest political tensions uh, everybody being an epidemiologist or thinking they are one, and everybody taking every single issue as a primary issue that you should break relationships over. It gets weary. And then you add in all the spiritual stuff. I, I don't believe that Satan is behind every bush, but I do believe that we have faced significant spiritual attack. Then you add the fact that we're in a culture that is becoming increasingly hostile and post-Christian. And you mix that cocktail together and you bake it and it becomes difficult. And what I've found is that you can't prevent that hard stuff from happening. You You can do your best and work your hardest and be as genuine as you can be, but there still are hard things. But what we do have in front of us is the choice of what we're going to do with the words of Jesus and the promises he's made to us. Let me put it this way. You can't prevent the challenges. You can't eliminate the headwinds. And you can't predict the attacks. But you do get to choose what you do with the words of Jesus. And what I have felt called to do again and again in the last year is turn and say, hey, I am going to put my, my hand down on the cornerstone that is Jesus for my strength and stability, because if he doesn't hold, I know I won't. And again and again, Jesus has not given me this crystal clear vision of the future, but what he's done again and again is said, Scott, I'm not going to tell you what's coming a week from now. All I'm saying is this is what you're going to do today. And then I get up the next morning and he's like, and this is what you're going to do today. And I have found myself depending on Jesus in a more day-to-day way than I ever have before. And that really reminds me of the reason why we exist as a church. Our mission is to help people take their next step with Jesus. And we believe that everybody has a next step. Now, most of us would like Jesus to reveal our next 10,000 steps. That's what a lot of you are hoping today on your Apple Watch. You're hoping to get the 10,000 steps. We don't exist to help you take your next 10,000 steps. Because Jesus doesn't always promise us that we're gonna know our next 10,000 steps. We wanna help you take your next step. Because often what Jesus says is, my word will be a lamp to your feet and a light to your path. Not a floodlight to your future, but a lamp to your feet. And I wanna encourage you today, we'll talk about this in a second in more detail, but I wanna encourage you, some of you, have gotten stuck in your relationship with Jesus because you want Jesus to reveal another next step other than the one he's already revealed to you. And Jesus isn't going to reveal to you your next three, four, and five steps until you take the one he's already revealed. This past year, we got clear on our values, the, the way that we do what we do, and we talked about these things, submitting to Scripture, even at a time when scripture runs counter to the winds of culture, surrendering to Jesus' agenda when Jesus has something in mind different than we do, pursuing health together. And that's meant, you know, I joked about going to therapy. That's meant me making sure that I'm taking care of myself because if I'm not healthy, none of my relationships are going to be healthy. And yet I need other people. Sarah shared that story about her group that she only got through this year with other people. It isn't just pursuing health. It's pursuing health together. We we fight for simplicity so that we can keep the focus on transforming lives and not just being busy at church. We talked about we value empowering the next generation, even at a time when it's been more difficult to be the next generation than ever before. Practicing unity in a divided world. Well, that's an easy one. You know, we t- chose an easy path with that one. Equipping people to live out their faith in public because It's becoming harder and harder to live our faith out in public, so we need to equip you for that. And then getting uncomfortable for Prescott and the world, because it's not about us. It's the best line in Rick Warren's book, Purpose Driven Life. 35 million copies, but I mean, he could have just stopped with the first 10 or 12 words. It's not about you. Your purpose. It's not about you. God's doing something bigger than us. So, we talked about God's word. We've talked about who we are. Let's talk about what's next for us. What's next for us? One of the steps we know is next for us coming out of the next couple years is we're going to be, begin pursuing a facility. We believe that we are not going to be a church that's portable forever. Now, I don't have any um, things in mind. You can, you can clap for that. Other than my phone and some mints, I have nothing in my pockets today. And that part of me is is, a, is a, a testimony to you that I'm not holding anything back. We don't know a place or a when. We don't have, a you know, ace in our back pocket that we're not telling you about. All we know is coming out of the last two years that there are limits to being portable forever. And especially if there were ever, ever to be a pandemic again, it would not be easy. And so we're gonna begin taking steps in that direction. And when we know more, you'll know more. Number two, empowering the next generation. We're going to spend some intentional time this year reaching young families. This is the part of our church that was hardest hit in the last few years. Because when you're watching online, it's great if you're an adult and it's hard if you're a kid. And so the area that we saw the biggest losses in terms of people was not equal generationally. The weight of that was on our young families. And you can't empower the next generation if they're not actually in your church, if you're not actually in relationship to them. And so we're going to be really intentional this year about reaching young families, which gives us a segue to our next one. Our hope is to hire a new student pastor and a new executive pastor this year. We're continuing our search for a new student pastor. I don't have anything to report to you today, but we are excited about where we are in that process and the conversations we're having. Pastor Josh moved out of that role last fall to move into the Next Steps role, as that video showed, and so we're looking for a new student pastor. Pastor Clovis will be stepping out of his role at the end of next week, and we'll look for a new executive pastor. We're going to take some time. He's been in that role for almost 10 years, and so it's time for us to step back and evaluate where are we as a church, what do we need, and once we have some clarity around that, we'll begin to look forward. I would encourage you, though, to remember, because some of you guys call us and send us emails, have you guys found anybody yet? um when is the last time you've been in a business in this community and have not seen a now hiring sign and there was a, there was a, an article on the front page of the wall street Journal this week not christianity today not pastors weekly the wall street journal about the growing challenge of the gap between churches that are looking for staff and pastors that are looking for new jobs And I will just tell you that it's becoming increasingly more of a um, uh, candidate-driven market. If you've tried to buy a house in Prescott recently, it's like that, except churches are the people who are trying to buy houses. And so I'd encourage you to pray, uh, because there's not enough great candidates for the churches that are looking for help. Also, we're going to continue to offer you more equipping opportunities. You took advantage of our theology class last fall. Almost 85 of you were there a couple weeks ago for our marriage conference. We're going to continue to offer opportunities like that. But we're also going to be expanding our serving teams. You'll see in our annual report when you get it as you leave today that there's 144 people who serve at least once a month at Cornerstone. That's amazing. But there is not a single team in our church that is not short or in need of people. And in some places, people have been serving every single week since Christmas because of the shortfall we had. I got an email late this week from somebody that just blew me away that I want to share with you about serving. This is Tom and Christy's story. They said, about a year and a half ago, during the heart of the COVID madness, Christy and I felt challenged from one of Scott's sermons about digging in, getting more involved instead of pulling back from church. Now, I have no recollection of ever saying that. This story is crazy humbling because I don't ever remember saying that, okay? But I do think that challenge is real for so many people they pulled back in the last two years. They said, so we decided to invest in our church by attending a small group and by committing to serve in youth group. We soon joined the junior high small group on Wednesday nights as we met outdoors at a local camp, Taylor Hicks school and back at the Rosser campus. At first, it was difficult for both of us to commit Since we teach school during the day and find ourselves exhausted most Wednesday evenings. So if you've ever said, I don't have the energy to serve, just listen to the story. There have been days one of us has said, we can't keep doing it. We have too much on our plate, etc. Then the commitment we have made to the kids gets us there. And we are rewarded with hugs and excitement from the students, reminding us of why we volunteer in the first place. We are weakly reminded that as our vessels are empty, Christ has the ability to not only fill us, but bless us through this ministry. Loving junior high kids is the easy part. I'm not sure I believe that, but I'll just trust their their word for it. If you're a junior higher in here, I'm sorry. It was an easy joke to make. They're so thankful to know us and be loved by us, and we have the blessing of partnering with them in their spiritual journey and watching their community be transformed by their authentic love for their Savior. Each week is a personal challenge to stay the course, but with the encouragement of the youth and the staff, we often leave more full than we came, full of encouragement, full of God's love, and full of excitement for what Christ is doing in the lives of these students. And I am so grateful for people like Tom and Christy whose story could be replayed across our church. People who chose to say, hey, I'm going to trust that God is going to fill my cup even as I serve. And that in serving, it isn't about me, but God uses serving others to fill me up. And so if you're not serving in our church right now, this is a pitch. You can scan this QR code. You can email serve at prescott cornerstone.com. You can go to the connection table in the lobby. But that may be your next step. And I'd encourage you, God's not going to reveal another one until you take that one. A couple more things for this year to come. We're going to also be taking a trip again. We're going to restart our international trips this fall. We're going to go to uh, Mexico with our friends at One Mission. We went in 2018 and 2019. We took two years off, and we're going to go again in 2022. And then we have some really special plans for the fall of 22 when it comes to Four Prescott month. So just for some review, we know our mission, what God's called us to do, help people take their next step with Jesus. We know our values. We know who God's called us to be, those eight values. And we, we're getting more and more clarity on what's next. But before we close, I want to talk about you. What is your next step? Now, I often give you next steps, and they're all written there. And if I hear your pages turning over right now, you're going to discover that you're going to have to help me today. The work is going to be on you. You're going to have to finish each of these three sentences. If I put what Jesus said into practice, I would blank. Let me encourage you. I think many of us, and I put myself in this category, often are excited about pursuing more knowledge. I just want to learn more. And often what we see in Scripture, and I feel in my own life with God, God is saying, Scott, I know you want to learn more, but I want you to work on applying what I've already taught you. Many of us are overeducated and underobedient. And so if you put into practice what Jesus has said to you, if you did that thing that he's put on your heart, then you've been avoiding because you're too scared or you're too overwhelmed or you don't feel qualified what would you do? Write it in the blank. Number two, if I got more involved rather than pulled back at Cornerstone, I would blank. I'm borrowing apparently my line that Tom and Christy reminded me of this week. So many people across the country have pulled back in the last two years. Church attendance pre-COVID and post-COVID is down one-third to one-half nationwide. And for many people, that's not because they stop believing in Jesus or they don't think church is important. They just got out of the habit. They don't call the song easy like Sunday morning for no reason. And some of you are watching online because you have health concerns, because you've got issues that are holding you back. I'm not here to pick a beef with you today. Some of you are at home because it's easy. And you're not going to find the kind of community that Sarah talked about sustaining her through the hardest year ever by yourself where it's easy. So what would you do if you leaned forward rather than pulled back? And then finally, if I was honest about what I wanted God to do in me or through me between now and Easter, I would pray for blank. The reason why I bring that up is we are less than 50 days away from Easter. Today, it's seven weeks from Easter. If you didn't know that, you haven't been to Safeway lately because they've got all the candy out. (laughs) And starting next week, we're going to launch a new series called Jesus According to Jesus. Who does he say that he is? We'll be walking through the seven I am statements of Jesus. And we've given you some resources to help this be a meaningful season. But I'd encourage you, it's not an accident that when Jesus encountered people, he asked them, what do you want? sees so a blind guy. He says, what do you want? Um, duh, Jesus, he wants to see. Jesus already knows what you want. But he thinks it's important for you to say it, for you to claim it. And I'd encourage you this week as we prepare to begin the season in the church known as Lent, that you begin to think about what is it that you want God to do in you or through you in the next few weeks.